Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refuelet Tobeja. She's a go-getter. What I want to know is, what's the number one criteria you looked for in proposals and requests for funding? Resilient, without a doubt. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. Welcome to Conversations with Pioneers, and I'm your host, Refile Tobeja. I know it's been a while, but here we are. So let's carry on where we left off, shall we? This is where I have delightful conversations with entrepreneurs, innovators, thought leaders, and anybody else who's making dope things happen in their fields. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Deezer, and other platforms. So now, new week, new goals, new challenges, and new wins. And today, I'm in conversation with Tabo David Tabani, an entrepreneur and owner of DT Tabani Consulting. He specializes in business process automation and information communication and technology ICT solutions. He travels between South Africa and the UK and also works between SA and the UK. And um, I'm very happy he could join me today. Welcome to the show. Hello, Rafilwe and listeners. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome, awesome. So let's dive right in deep. What exactly is business process automation? In short, I would say business process automation is kind of all about taking the tasks that will normally take a worker, uh, maybe seven days, and you automate the process and they can do it within maybe, or the computers does that job for them, mm-hmm. or they can do a job that they would do in maybe seven days in, in one day, basically. A simple example is a customer fills in a form, right? Um, actually, most people do it all the time, but they don't realize it's actually a business process automation. You buy something from online store, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, you select the product. It goes into the company cust- customer relationship management. So the system builds a opens an account for you. It so, uh, builds a profile when you mm-hmm. buy something, right? And then remember, you also ask for this uh, product to to be delivered at your address. So now, what happens? What follows after you buy this product is business process. Mm-hmm. So the systems we build, they will tell the customer relationship uh, management software to open a file for you. Right? And it will send also in the background, it will send information to maybe the, the accounting system to say open a, an invoice for this person. His name is this person or her name is this person also sends you an email. So the process also sends an email to your uh, personal email because you bought this and says you bought this. 
here's your invoice for the product that you bought. And then it also sends it to another software, which is the logistics software. So the next thing you know, someone delivers the product at your house. Mm -hmm. Before, it used to be a long process. That would take you around a week for you to even get that, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So Mm -hmm. processing, if you build a business process, all that information will be shared across maybe multiple software within seconds. That's business process automation. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I see. So what attracted you to this field? I mean, what do you enjoy the most about what you do? Well, I would say solving problems. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoy. It's, it feels good to realize someone was taking a long time to do something and mm-hmm. then once you get companies that deal a lot with customers, you get a joy out of like now, instead of spending a lot of time in front of a computer, now they can spend time talking to customers or helping customers. Yeah, I think that is very important in entrepreneurship, Hori. You must remedy a pain. You must yeah. solve a problem. Yes. I also know that you're a big promoter of STEM, science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, and mathematics, right? Yes, yes. Tell us more about this. Uh, as you as you are aware, probably I've been promoting science, technology, engineering, and maths since 2010. The idea was to encourage young people. I mean, I know it's difficult to actually get into STEM or interest in STEM when you're older. It is easier to to get people interested when they are at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you can build the interest. Sometimes you just spark it. Sometimes you don't have to even do a lot in it. You just have to spark that interest in a young person. So I've been doing this, like I said, 2013, we used to do um, after school clubs, some of the uh, activities. I used to introduce children to basic electronic boxes. Actually, as I'm talking to you, I just saw it right in front of me because mm-hmm. I, f- I found some of the packages there. So introduce them to basic electronics just to get them interested. What is this? Why do you have transistors? Why do you have these? Because all our computers and all these things, gadgets that we use, they have all these things, most of those things in that box, but in a bigger form, in a, in a, sm- in a smaller form, basically. And then one of the things we used to do, we used to pl- I used to introduce them to chess, how to play chess, because that's maths. If you play chess, mm-hmm. it teaches you critical thinking. So you start questioning things. Uh, we used to play Rubik's Cube. I used to help them, teach them how to solve the Rubik's Cube. But we used mm-hmm. to start by dismantling a, a Rubik's Cube so you, mm-hmm. they know how it's built before they start solving it. Do you think yeah. we have enough young people studying STEM in South Africa? But I think we, we don't have enough. I, I don't think we have enough people. But um, the best thing we can do as a country is to, uh, maybe as a country and a continent, is to encourage more people into them. Because it's difficult to actually try to convince them at a later stage because most of them, most people think it's difficult or it's for very super smart people. And mm-hmm. that's not the case. You just have to spark the interest and then they'll realize, oh, actually, this is fine. Mm-hmm. And I see you've been busy all over Mzansi. Tell us about the work that you've been doing recently. I saw you on the social streets. You were like, mm-hmm. you were like, and I was like, mm, this guy is, is all over the show. What Eastern you- Cape. Eastern Cape, exactly. Uh, I realized the, the best way to get, bring opportunities to people now nowadays, because we we're in 2022, is to try to give them access to internet. Mm. Uh, so I've been building Wi-Fi 
a community Wi-Fi. So local communities can access Wi-Fi affordably. We call them hotspots. So you remember certain establishments would have a Wi-Fi hotspot and it, it will attract people to come there and sit there and do things and do their work and those kind of things. So I've been going around partnering with local businesses to install Wi-Fi hubs. I call them Wi-Fi hubs. Mm-hmm. And then, then we replicate that. From one hub, we can grow the community Wi-Fi hotspots. So from one hub, we can cover the whole community with hotspots. What are some of the villages or townships that you assisted with this? I mean, I also like that you're focusing in rural areas and townships. This way, you have a big Wi-Fi signal problem. So kudos for Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, no. So I've done Bethany, I've done Makolokwe, I've done Eastern Cape. Uh, In Eastern Cape, we've done Matatiele, Mm. Polile, Duchua. And then Bika, we've done it in Ebika, near Butterworth. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of them... Basically, we I call them, at the stage that they, they are now, I call them prototypes, but they're actually a preparation of one of the fastest uh, satellite internets that's coming to South Africa in maybe this year. So I'm just preparing those villages so that when those opportunities come, we just connect. So that's why we're trying to get as many villages ready as possible. Because when that opportunity comes, we, we will just jump into it. It's not ready yet. It's not here yet. But how do you uh, choose? How do you choose which province to go to or which village to go to? I mean, what's the criteria? I get invitations. Uh, I, I work by invitations. I just tell people about it on social media. I've been telling people about it before I came to South Africa. So some of them were ready, uh, especially the Eastern Cape. They knew that I was coming. I had a local business partner there invited me to go and install it in some of the villages that they are connected to through family, business and relatives. So that's how I select the village. If there's a willing local business partner to install these prototypes, we just test them. We know they work. And then then from then on, they just have to start marketing it because you need a lot of people to be signed up to it to make it more affordable. Because if there's only one person, it would be expensive. So if if you get at least 10 people, it becomes the more people sign up to it, the more cheaper it gets. Mm, amazing. But do you see any potential partnerships with the current big players in the industry in South Africa? A lot, a lot. The only challenges will, will be the willingness, the willingness. But I see uh, one of the main uh, network companies that I see partnering with is Rain because um, they have the ability to, to innovate and they are one of the first network companies to suggest or to offer unlimited internet without calls. So that tells you that this company is looking forward to the next generation of communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the science and technology events that you host, the um, telescope events, stargazing, observing the environment. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that. Right. Um I'm going to Lesotho in March, this, mm-hmm. uh, in March 2022, for Mushua Walk. Uh, I've been invited there to host one of our STEM activities. There's a company called uh, LB Function Hire. They organize uh, charity walks and camping events. 
So first of all, how we introduced it, we used to offer free Wi-Fi at their events. We still do, we can still do that in areas where we can get signal. So wherever we, we, we are in a better area, we get good signal, we offer Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi to visitors at the campsite or visitors at the walk, at the charity walks. Mm -hmm. uh, so people can keep in touch and then tell people what they're doing. So one of the things that we started talking about was also hosting citizen scientists at these mm -hmm. camping events as part of the, our introduction to science, technology, engineering and maths. So we hosting uh, at those kind of events. Let's talk about, well, before we get to citizen scientists, ne? you mentioned how one of the participants recently spotted Jupiter and Neptune in the sky at night. On All right. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did the kids feel when they spot these things? So, as I said, while hosting these uh, science, technology, and general maths, one of the equipments that we take along is the telescopes. So children and older people can learn what telescopes are all about. So remember, they see these stars and they just see them as stars. And then mm -hmm. some of them see these planets on the... Uh, when they look up, uh, they just see stars. And when they look on their, on their school books, they see these blue planets, they see brown planets like Jupiter and all those planets, mm. but they don't get to see them in real life, mm -hmm. right? So uh, most schools won't even have, in rural areas and, and townships, they won't have practicals, mm. right? They just learn theory, 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 and it becomes boring for them, mm. right? Mm. So by looking at these and seeing these, the excitement in their faces, and they will even, before you even say anything, they will even tell you the name of the planet they're looking at before you even tell them, because they've seen the theory. But now when they look at it, like live through the telescope, they can see this is blue and they know mm. what which, which planet what it is. is. Uh, just tell them, choose a, choose any bright star that you know, uh, that you can see, because I know if, if if it's a bright star, most likely it will be one of our, our neighboring planets on our solar mm. system that they actually mostly teach them about. So, Tabo, I've always wanted to know, what, what is mm -hmm. a shooting star? What happens when we see a shooting star? What's that? Oh, a shooting star could be a lot of things. Yeah, it could be a lot of things sometimes. <laughs> One of the culprits would be, um, remember, as human beings, we send a lot of things up in the sky, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes if you see that, it's not always a star. Mm -hmm. uh, the stars don't always fall. It will be, be an asteroid passing by or something falling out of the sky, but maybe passing through, uh, p going past F. Mm. There's certain things that go near us, but they, they just either end up in the sky or whatever. Sometimes it's just one of the things that we send up in, like in orbit. We send mm -hmm. a lot of satellites, we send a lot of rockets, all those kind mm -hmm. of things. So sometimes when they come back, they are controlled. They know where they're going to fall. Maybe it's planned to fall into the into the sea and then it will just uh, splash down there. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Did you see the film Don't Look Up on Netflix? No, not yet. You definitely must check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, it's also <laughs> about a group of scientists who sport that something is mm -hmm. falling, something's going to come to earth and everybody's mm -hmm. going to die. And it's mm -hmm. very interesting. It, it reminds you, reminding me of that film. Now let's talk mm -hmm. about citizen scientists. Who are they mm -hmm. and how can one become a citizen scientist? 
Right, Philo. I'm, I'm glad you asked that because that's related to what you just said. That film is actually uh, can be helpful because when you see those, there's certain things that orbit our planet or orbit around our planetary system. And some of them, apparently, they're obscured by the sun. The ones that are orbiting near the sun, even our technology cannot see them. So whenever, if there was something that was coming towards Earth, we wouldn't see it if mm. it's on the side of the sun, if it's orbiting mm. the, same, the same time as the sun. So we wouldn't see it. We haven't sent up that good technology in, in our orbit to be able to spot that on time. But anyway, that's, that's a story for another day. But citizen mm. scientists, we have to understand that scientists don't always see everything. We have a lot of data. We have a lot of technology. But some of these things, scientists can't see them or can't do them themselves, right? For example, we have satellites orbiting Earth, like our GPS satellites. We have all those for you to be able to know where you are, how to find your road. I mean, uh, when you send someone will tell you, send me your location and you are able to get there. It's the help of satellites, GPS satellites. Mm -hmm. There's also more satellites that are monitoring our environment, Earth's environment. So for those satellites to be clever enough, right? Mm -hmm. For those satellites to be clever, they're like computers. We load the information into it. Think of it like YouTube. For people to enjoy and watch YouTube, people have to send content on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same as satellites. Satellites are just computers that are not clever mm. when you send them there, but it's people who have to make them clever, right? So citizen scientists can go into, for example, when I go to Lesotho, we're going to be introducing or welcoming new citizen scientists, young people, and they install an app on their phone, and then they take pictures uh, the same way as the rovers that we send in other planets, they will do. They use the same technology as our phones, but it would look to the north, take a picture, look mm -hmm. to the south, take a picture, look to the east, take a picture, look to the west, take a picture, look up, take a picture of the clouds, whether it's clear sky or cloudy sky, and take a picture of the ground. Right? Mm. And once you do that, you upload that onto globe science system. And then scientists, professional scientists are now able to take that, uh, that data that you just captured and send it to computers that these satellites get information from. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And now by doing that, you just made one of the satellites that orbit Earth very, very clever. Now, mm. when it passes over that area, it knows how that area looks. And you can do it with trees. We can do it for land cover. You can do it for cloud cover. So mm -hmm. you can just take pictures of clouds uh, in different ways. And it takes you through that step. It teaches you how to do it. And you build up a, that's how you become a citizen scientist. And you build up badges. And then you can also use that as an extracurricular activity on your CV and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now moving on, you are a yearly judge ne, at the Eskom Young Scientist Expo. How did mm -hmm. that come about? Well, I'm not surprised, but what do you enjoy the most about being on the panel? And do you find a lot of talent every year? Are there improvements? Is it exciting to always see young new players come into the game? Okay, in short, Eskom's Young Expo, it's an expo that's funded for young people in different places, different schools across South Africa. What they do 
they encourage young people to come up with solutions mm. that can solve current challenges or problems. So mm. I'm into science, technology, and engineering. Math. So I was doing one of my researches and then checking uh, what are new opportunities in their STEM activities and uh, whatever. And I realized they were looking for judges that can help judge some of this work or ideas that young people come up with. So I put myself, my name forward to see, because I knew I would come across interesting young people who would be coming up with solutions and then how you can encourage also you i'm basically i'm one of the judges in i work under the northwest province coordinator mm -hmm. uh, so which means i'm not able to judge any young person's work who's from northwest so mm -hmm. i can judge uh, young people in maybe eastern cape all those other um, mm -hmm. uh, provinces apart from northwest and that happens every every year i came across it by, just by interest looking at what south africa was doing to encourage young people into science technology engineering and maths amazing now i want to know do you eat sleep drink it and engineering and technology and stargazing all the time how do you unwind <laughs> <laughs> to be honest sometimes um it may look like i'm working hard but uh, I, uh, sometimes i try to to mix work with pleasure sometimes so for example when i was at uh, recently in uh, in kzn i was there for work but i was able to to also book my time with uh, my, my business partners and then able to have fun make new friends and all those kind of things so i, I do have fun if i realize that i'm i'm, I'm working too much uh, i find an excuse to have fun as well but even this lesotho trip in march i'm camping so even if i'll be working who wouldn't love camping who wouldn't love waking up in a campsite listening to you know animals roaring around you and then taking a walk for charity i mean that's to me it's fun and pleasant at the same time i think i'd like to come along on this trip i think so i know <laughs> you'd, you'd you'd love it because because even that that one is not far from 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 bloemfontein actually and kimberley so it's, mm. okay it's right up my alley so as we're about <laughs> to wrap up where do we find you online social media website yeah Right. I've got a website that is kind of a, um, an online business card. Anyone who likes to have something like that, I think they would love that. I use a DT Tabani, so mm -hmm. DT Tabani Consulting mm -hmm. dot card with double R mm -hmm. dot co mm -hmm. on social, social media forward slash DT Tabani. Okay. Facebook and Instagram. Yes. LinkedIn. Yeah. DT Tabani. Okay. Tabo, we the yeah. wonderful work that you do continue to make dope things happen thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me Rufilo. you're welcome thank you for tuning in please share this episode find me on my socials on the facebook page twitter and instagram Rifile Tobeja, and on linkedin i am Rifile Tato Tobeja. Uh, let's chat again soon when we level up level up with yet another pioneer cheers Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refilio Tobeja.